Good morning, everyone. Um, I am Allie. I have not gotten to meet you, and I'm so grateful to get to bring the word this morning. Um, hey, I got a woo. Yes. <laughs> My woo girl over there. I always appreciate some feedback um, along the way. But how many of you have ever been in love? <laughs> we already got so many woos. I'm so excited about this morning. Okay. This is not asking you if you are in love to get many people in trouble around you, or maybe I don't want to cause any issue if you don't raise your hand and you're sitting next to someone that you should be in love with. Um, But I have found over the years, I have been in love, surprisingly enough, and it's called the Green Bay Packers. And there's some things that just usually won't let you down. And so I decided not to do, not to put that with a man. So anyways, I actually am just about to get my certificate tomorrow saying that I am a an official owner of the Green Bay Packers. So that's how much I love the Green Bay Packers. But when you're starting to fall in love, you, you think of this feeling of when you're falling in love with someone, and what when you start to know, and I say this in dating and with my friends who are dating, you know when you're like starting to want to spend more time with them, and you're like, oh, something's here. Something's here, especially if you're one of those people who are fine with doing things on your own. Whenever you're actually wanting to spend time with someone else, you kind of lean into that. And when you fall in love, you just want to spend all your time with them. When I was in high school, I did not get a cell phone until I was one month before I turned 16. And I still think that that should be the rule, but I'm not a parent yet, so I have a feeling I'm going to eat my words. But anyways, and so I had this cell phone, and I was, had this a boyfriend in high school, also not recommended, but he's doing great. Uh, Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And so, and uh, we were together, honestly, through uh, high school into college. But one of those things when I felt like I was so in love and we had this cell phone, one of the things is I just never wanted to be like not talking to him. So we would fall asleep on the phone together. Anybody? No? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for being (laughs) and, and being an example with me. And so you just want to spend time. You want to feel like you're together. The power of someone's presence in your life. How much time you spend with them. And that's actually what usually leads us to get married. And for my parents, that was literally two months and uh, 10 days from the day they met to the day they got married. And they say, like, you know, like on those commercials where it says, do not attempt at the bottom. I'm sure that they would put that at the bottom of it. But it's that power, that, that promise of someone's presence that you're committing to something that you want to have their presence in your life for as long as you live. That commitment of presence because you love them, you want to spend time with them, you want to be with them. On the fourth Advent Sunday, every year, um, there's four Sundays in Advent. The first one is hope, then peace, joy, and today is love. And you don't have to go through these things. I always tell people Advent isn't something that you have to do, but I think what it does is it helps prepare your heart for the day that is ahead, for Christmas, which coming to celebrate the birth of our King. But the reason why we can celebrate the birth of our King is because he died on a cross 33 years later and then rose from the grave And now he's seated on the throne. And so we celebrate Christmas because of Easter. So we should prepare our hearts for the love of the one who gave his life for us. 
And so this sermon title, I don't always do this, but it's called The Promise of His Presence. The Promise of Presence. And I understand this is also a Christmas message, so it could sound like presence. And I'm not doing that sermon today, but I also noted it for another time because I'm a teacher and I like those presence, presence things. And so what we're doing today is leaning into who God is and his love for us, his deep love for us. So we're gonna be in Matthew 1. So if you wanna go ahead and tap or turn to Matthew 1, a little setup here. There are two different Christmas stories that um, are described throughout scripture um, in the New Testament. There's one in Matthew and there's one in Luke in detail. The one in Matthew really focuses in on Joseph and his experience. The one in Luke focuses more with Mary. And we're actually going to touch on both of them this morning because I, act I really feel like it's critical before we're moving into Christmas just a few days away to hear the story, to not just listen because we're used to it, we already know the words, but to really hear what God is saying in that moment, but also to us today in 2021. Amen. So we're going to start reading and uh, let's go with verse 18. Matthew 1 verse 18 says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged um, to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you, you are gonna give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us the promise of his presence, God with us, Emmanuel. They had been waiting and I know I'm going out of order already. I'm so sorry, but my sister's on the computer. So I just kind of, you know, free reign. This, as they have known through, <laughs> sorry, Tor. As they known throughout the prophets, it says, as the prophet Isaiah actually wrote this, what we read, it says, the virgin will, give, will conceive. It's in Isaiah 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Jesus fulfills these prophecies of old Isaiah about 784 years before this. He says that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And then Joseph finds himself with an angel in his dreams saying that you are gonna have a son and you're actually not going to divorce the woman who honestly, Joseph could actually have Mary killed. I don't know if we always understand the fact that when Mary said, yes, do to me as you will, yes, I am favored, I am blessed, that she is saying, I understand that I could be stoned by being obedient. 
Joseph had that power, but Joseph was a man of the law, so he was an integrous man. God chose out of eternity for Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus. I, I feel like sometimes, you feel like jo Joseph doesn't really get a lot of accolades along the way, and I sometimes feel bad for him. And so that's actually why I started in Matthew. Not the only reason, but I also love this because he, in Matthew, if you read the beginning of Matthew chapter one, there's a whole genealogy. How many of you skip over genealogies? <laughs> Got another woo. <laughs> what a hilarious place for a woo. Okay. <sighs> Last year, I read the Bible in a year and five months, and <laughs> I want to encourage you. That actually was very, like, it, it stays on, but sometimes it goes so fast. You're like, I can't even, like, get to all of this today. And so I just ended up being like, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible in a year and a half. And whenever I was doing that, I forced myself to read the genealogies, even though I did not want to, because I didn't want to get to the end of a Bible and say, I read the whole Bible, but I skipped all of the words in the genealogies. If you go through like Leviticus and First Chronicles, you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to actually read this. I was like, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. I'm gonna let the Bible read this to me today, you know? And so I think it's wonderful how Matthew starts out with this genealogy and what it does is it actually lines up all of these things to show how Joseph is a descendant of David. And throughout that genealogy, there's women, there are immigrants, there are foreigners, there are all these people in Jesus's lineage that comes to this moment for Joseph to be chosen. And he is a man who is integrous. He is a man who is merciful. Because he heard Emmanuel, God with us. He would have known the scriptures. He would have known what to have been waiting for. And this is the moment where he's like, okay, do to me what you will. I will say yes to this. I won't divorce her quietly. Like I said, I will stay next to her and we will name him Jesus. I love that it says that he names, he names him Jesus. In the next verse down, it says that Joseph names him Jesus. Like what an honor to get to say that. And as we know, and we'll look at Luke verse one, if you wanna flip over to Luke verse one, um, chapter one, verse 26, this is where Mary, she gets told that Jesus is going to be hers, <laughs> essentially. Luke chapter one, 26 through 37 reads this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so that's her cousin, Elizabeth, who is barren, who is childish, chi well, maybe, <laughs> child, Lists. And she had been told everyone she cannot have children. And by an angel appearing to her, she conceived. And she is the mother of John the Baptist. And it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man, Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. I always love that. I always want to do like a Spock hand. Greetings. Okay, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, as we all would be, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
Well, how would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. Someone needs to hear that today. No word of God will ever fail. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And now I know I've read a lot of scripture this morning, but I always just, I just think it's great. This whole story and how we always actually focus in on Luke. So Mary's story is focused in on Luke. And I like to read Luke because he's super detailed. I know I say this all the time. He's the physician. He likes to give you all of the deets, all of this. And so they actually say that Luke, this story is a lot of firsthand account from Mary herself that he would have been around Mary. He would have been there in the days after Pentecost when Mary had been sent out into the world to, to preach the gospel about her own son. That Luke would have gotten this from her because if you look even further, you remember like how she says, like even pondered these things in her heart. How else would he know that unless she told someone along the way. So you have Mary. Mary is about 13 at the youngest, 15. So I'm going to say she's around 14 years old. Anyone have a child that's around that age? Anyone the child that is that age? Yep. (laughs) Anyone have grandkids around that age? Think about an angel showing up to them and them just being like, okay, I'm in. (laughs) I love how many laughs are coming over from this side. Kenzie, you're awesome. But <laughs> She's from Nazareth. Whenever Nathaniel is told by Philip, whenever Jesus is getting all of his disciples, whenever Nathaniel is told that Jesus is from Nazareth, they say, what good comes from Nazareth? What, what good can come from Nazareth? And see, Jesus again is fulfilling a prophecy because God chose Mary out of all time and now she is from Nazareth to fulfill this prophecy that Jesus will come from Nazareth, a lowly place. Another prophecy fulfilled. And we think of Mary, this 14-year-old girl who probably knew all of, she, she studied, she was probably well-learned because what we read, if you read further on, Mary's Magnificat, which is actually what I was supposed to be preaching on today, but woohoo, Holy Spirit veered me in a different direction, so here we are. But when you read it, she actually speaks back all of these Old Testament lines over and over and over and over again. So out of the overflow of her heart, she spoke the word of God. So this is, a, this is a girl who was firm in the word of God. She believed God was with her. She believed that God would not fail her. So when God said, I'm giving you Emmanuel, God, with us, she said, okay. And if she knew all of the prophecies, I wonder how many, uh, I, I just sometimes wonder how many like Jewish girls when they're growing up and they know the prophecies, especially, I don't know if they remember the Nazareth part, they were thinking, is it gonna be me? Will I be the mother of the coming Messiah? The tribe of Judah? 
descendant of David. There's a very specific, very specific lineage you have to fulfill for Jesus, the Messiah, to to fulfill all these prophecies. So if I were Mary, I I don't know. This is me speculating, but I like to study things. And so if I was looking at all the details, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I fit all of those things. It could be me. It could be me. And I'd just be praying it would be me. And then when you ask Mary, did you know? (laughs) Mary, did you know that your baby boy How many of you love that song? How many of you are like, eh? You can't admit that in church. Okay. (laughs) Some people just destroy Mary, did you know? And I'm just saying, I live on Twitter a lot, which I occasionally, you know my relationship. I'm off of it and I'm on because we have an interesting dynamic on Twitter. But I live on Christian Twitter, which is like a hilarious dumpster fire. And I don't know why I love it so much. Um, I pray for a lot of my brothers and sisters. But... (laughs) But I, okay, so I saw these memes about Mary, did you know? And they said this, it said, Mary, did you know that your extended warranty is about to expire? (laughs) This is my favorite one. Mary, did you know that there's a boy on his way to gift your newborn with a drum solo? (laughs) Mary, did you know that your baby boy's father has a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms? I did not write these. I wish I did. Mary, did you know that you could start a home business part-time to work towards replacing your full-time income? Let me know if you're interested, girl. (laughs) Oh, Mary, did you know? So Mary didn't know all of the things that would happen. She didn't know all of these things that Jesus would walk on water. We're not sure that she knows that, but what she does know based out of scripture is that he would be called the son of God, the son of the most high. His kingdom would reign forever. He would sit on the throne of David, that he was Emmanuel in the flesh. She knew that. And she said, yes, I am all in whatever it takes. But do we feel Emmanuel, God with us in our life today? Do we sense him? Do we sense him? It's an honest question and it's not a shame question. I wanna ask you before we get into the rest of this, do you sense the presence of the promise in your life today? Because to be honest, I've been struggling with this exact thing and I know that he has given me ways to overcome it just recently, just this week. And that's why I feel like this is is something we've got to get a hold of. This is something that we have to lean into that there is a promise of his presence, but do we sense his presence? Before the book of Matthew was written, there's a whole time, you, you might flip the page, I always love this. So here's Malachi. So Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And then you just like flip a page and then you're in the New Testament. That's not reality. There should be at least be 400 pages to represent the 400 years of silence from God, from the prophets. The intertestamental period. And I have a whole teaching on this. I love this whole teaching of what happens in those 400 years of what we call silence. But what God is doing and what seems to be silent is that his presence is actually there. He's working things out specifically for the moment that the angel shows up to Mary. There are wars that happen. 
There are people who take over, the Roman Empire is set up, the Maccabees happen, Hanukkah occurs. Okay, I know people go, it's, it's in John. They kind of give a little shout out to Hanukkah and John if you want to go look it up. All of this stuff happens in the intertestamental period. And so what happens too is that the Romans are taking over and there's this one language that takes over and there's this road that's set up and they can go to the east, they can go to the north, they can go over, they can go west, they can do all of these things and it had to be built at this specific time. And I always love to tell people, Julius Caesar was actually a piece in a plate and everything in Rome right before Jesus entered the scene. Our history books, the Bible, like you guys, it all points back to truth. It had to happen. And God can use all these people throughout eternity, but it sounded to them like God was just silent, but God was working on their behalf in the silence. God with them, even if they didn't feel them. All set up to this moment where Matthew had to be, or throughout Matthew, and they start with this genealogy and where Joseph had to enter and be specifically from the tribe of Judah, from the throne of David and Mary. And then it has to line up specifically to all of these prophecies to be fulfilled, but they thought that God wasn't even there. I think a lot of us are going through these moments and these these trials in lives where we're not actually sure that God is with us. That we feel alone. We feel like he abandoned us. And if it's not us, it's someone we know. We're like, why would you leave them alone? Why are they they having to go through that? Why would you abandon them, God? We have to be honest. We do often think those things. And that's not lost on it. We we just have to understand that in the fullness of time, God didn't just ghost them, okay? Like going back to this whole, are you in love thing, like dating situation, like have you ever heard of ghosted? All right, you sometimes feel like God ghosted you. (laughs) And ghosted, if you don't know what that is, that means like zero communication. Like you were talking and then all of a sudden like nada. And that person is like, I'm out, usually in dating relationships. God does not do that unless he wholly, I'm going to say a horrible joke, wholly ghosts you. Okay, anyways, I'm so sorry. That, that was bad. I'm so sorry. Lord, forgive me. But in the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. So the silence and the preparation was for the very moment, the fullness of time, so that we could become adopted and children of God. So sometimes in the waiting, sometimes in the silence, sometimes when we feel like God's presence isn't actually with us, he's actually preparing the very thing that will bring us into the next moment that you've actually been praying for. He's working on your behalf. Someone needs to hear that today. He is working on your behalf. No word of God will ever fail. As he said, as we read in Luke, In Deuteronomy 31, 6, it reads this. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you need to write this on a card 
and put it in your car, put it in your house, put it in your bathroom, put it in the kitchen sink, put it by the laundry. Say, you know what? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God goes with you. He is with you. The promise of his presence, he is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So there's two things I wanna touch on today that I really believe that the Lord wants to make very known to us in this moment um, from, from the studying and what I've been hearing across many people's lives. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with you. You are never alone. You are never alone. God is with you. You are never alone. It seems simple. Okay, if you're an introvert in the house, um, all my introverts, probably sitting by yourself. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, all of us introverts, I feel like whenever I hear the words, you are never alone, I'm like, Ugh, like, but I wanna be alone, you know? Like there's something in us that just like wants to be by ourselves. But here's the deal. I think most introverts love to be alone, but they know that they have people around them that they can enter back into, whether it's community, whether it's a job or something like that. So we treasure our alone time and then we're like, okay, I can go back into the real world. But some of us, we, we are alone because people have left us. We're alone, we're feeling alone because people aren't understanding what we're actually going through. Even, I think even in marriages, someone could be going through something and the other one can't fully understand what the other person is going through. And no matter how much you try to explain to them what you're feeling, what you're thinking, your emotions, you still feel alone. I've tried this with friends when I'm going through hard times, even counselors. I'm like, I'm trying to explain to you what I feel and I feel like you're not getting it. And you feel so alone. Like no one else is getting it. No one else is around you. In Deuteronomy 31 that we just read from, so this is actually Moses. He's writing this and he's actually speaking this to Israel. So he's, he's like, I'm out. It's been 120 years of you goofs. Like, I'm going to heaven. Like, I would do the same thing. I'm just like, peace out. He's like, I might not get that promised lamb, but I got the, I got the heavenly one. And he's like, you know what? I'm out of here. And he was 120 years old. And he says, you know what? But don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And I'm wondering, so, so he says this, and then they, he, he promotes Joshua, if you will, into the place of where Moses was, and then he speaks it again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you read Deuteronomy into Joshua, it's repeated over and over. And what's beautiful is actually the Israelites, whenever Joshua is about to go take the promised land, they actually speak it back to him, which is beautiful. But I'm wondering like, why would Moses say this in that moment? And I think that sometimes just like the Israelites who were like, oh no, Moses is our leader. Moses is the one that's with us. Moses is the one, we need his presence because with his presence, we feel God's presence. And so Moses says, actually I'm leaving, but guess what? God's always with you. Sometimes we put a little bit too much weight in the presence of an actual person, when the only presence we need is his. 
Sometimes we need to be reminded that we're never alone because his presence is the only one who will be with us all the time. He loves us so much. Going back to the whole, I wanna be in your presence, God just literally wants to be with us all the time. Is there anyone in your life that you want to be with 24-7? I'm serious. Don't raise your hand. I'm not gonna do that. God wants to be with us all the time. That's how much he loves you. It seems so simple, but I think we forget it in the chaos of everything else that's happening. And so we cling to people close to us to be the presence for us. And if you are that person, I would encourage you that they're clinging to, to say, you know what? I'm not the one who you need to cling to. I will walk you through anything. I will be right here, but you cannot cling to me. I will lead you to the presence, but I am not the presence. I think sometimes the person who is doing that needs to remind ourselves that we're not the savior in the situation. Because we don't want them to feel alone, but guess what? Only God knows their thoughts. Only God knows their pain and their their motives. And Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, he came to earth and he felt alone. But he knew he wasn't alone. His best friends left him, just totally gone. His siblings didn't even like agree with who he was and was actually talking bad about him to other people. He was grieved. He had the literal weight of the world on his shoulders, but he knew that he was not alone because he had the presence of the Father. Imagine, okay, imagine Jesus saying, okay, I agree to leave heaven. This beautiful, wonderful, perfect place to humble himself to be in Mary's womb to go through the human experience, fully man, fully God, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us, but he could also say that I get it. Jesus gets it. He gets it. When you feel alone and like no one else understands, Jesus does. That is who he is. That is his promise to us. He is God with us, Emmanuel. The second thing is this. And actually, I wanna, I wanna just speak that too for people who are at home or in hospitals. I've actually been, uh, there's quite a few people who've been in hospitals, people who are at home watching that I know want to be in community, know that you are not alone, that we want to know, reach out to people. If you are feeling alone, and yes, people matter in this, okay? So his presence is everything, but you can reach out to people. I feel like I need to say that. If, if sometimes you feel like, oh, nobody's reaching out to me. Sometimes you need to tell people that you're not okay. Because I, ha- I had to do that in the last couple of weeks. I was not doing okay. And I had to like tell people that I know pray for me and say, please pray for me. I can't tell you why right now, but I just need, because I feel alone. And then you heap it back and on and on and on. You are not alone. Your community is here. We are praying for you. We love you. And I know that this, this season can feel isolated. If you're in a hospital room, God is there. Emmanuel, God with you. Never alone. 
I remember being, okay, I remember uh, I went to Thailand not too long ago. Well, I guess it is now that I'm 33, so seven years ago. And I don't know what that was. And so I went to Thailand and I was by myself on a boat in the middle of the ocean on this like archipelago, archipelago, we don't know. I'm, I study the Bible, not rocks. Okay, so archipelago and I'm in the middle of the ocean in that little place, and I had no idea where I was. And I remember being all alone and having my headphones in and blasting Hillsong. And I just remember the, the wave. I was on this speedboat, and the waves were crashing, and the sun was peeking out. And I'm like, God, no one knows where I am right now, not even my parents, which really freaks them out. But like, but you can look at the world and know exactly, like I'm in the middle of an ocean somewhere off a of time. I couldn't even tell you where I was, but like God knew. And I remember this like epiphany happening being like, I'm never by myself. Like I, he actually sees me all the time. And you know me, if you know me, I'm super drama. So I was just like looking out the side, crying, thinking I'm in a movie, like, oh, you know, anybody else like that? Yes, you have children like that. I'm proof that we, we, we grow up okay. Slightly. <laughs> to know that you're never alone no matter where you are is a powerful feeling. And it also meets us in our brokenness, but it also meets us in the mountaintops. And the second thing is this, it says, God is with you. You have not been abandoned. You have not been abandoned. Go back to Deuteronomy 31.6, it says, Again, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But it, forsake also means abandon you. He will never abandon you. He will never abandon you. How many of you have left your child somewhere? <laughs> Kurt. I'm about to tell a story, so might as well confess. <laughs> How many of you have been the child that was left somewhere where your parents are like, what? I didn't know I was missing a child. Okay, you got left at home, you got left at church, you got left at school, you got left anywhere. Okay, left is different than lost. Okay, so you can like lose them in a grocery store. You didn't mean to do that. When I'm, and I don't think most parents mean to leave their children either, but it's, I feel like there's a different thing. And I used to go to church every Sunday morning with my dad. So I don't know if you're shocked at all, but I am his mini me. And I actually didn't know, I, I, I always went to church with him. So we had multiple services. I was always at the early service. I wanted to be at church all the time. I wanted to be with all my friends and like, it's just crazy thinking about how much I was always with him growing up. And one Sunday, I actually believed that some of my friends were not gonna be there that Sunday. So I was like, oh, I'll go to the second service with mom and the other kids. Now, if you don't know, there's actually four of us siblings. I'm the second one. And, um, and also what most of you would not guess, which Tori and I talked about this week, is if you think of who the most quiet one in our family is, it's me. I know you're all shocked. You are, I know it. I know it because whenever my family's all together, there's actually a lot of characters, okay? So we all come together and I tend to retract, okay? So whenever, I remember growing up later and having like my volleyball team, we were just talking about at our women's brunch the other day and I had my volleyball team over and they were all there and I was being so loud and I was like, yeah! And I was in college then and I prayed for dinner, which I never did at our family dinner because I don't know why I have weird things about praying in front of my family. <laughs> but my college group, like, or my team was there and we were all, I was like praying and they're like, who are you? 
like this loud person. So all of that context, I was really quiet. So I was up in my room with the door shut, probably just like do, 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 getting ready for church. I go out and I hear, I hear my room is above the garage and I hear the garage door, but I thought it was the first one. Do you know what I mean? It was the up. No, no, it was the down. It was the down garage. And so I literally look out. I see my mom backing out with all my other siblings in the car. And I just open up my door and I'm like running down the stairs. I open up our front door. I'm running down the, the whole, like we have a, like kind of like a short street. I'm running down the street. They're like, mom, mom. I turn the corner on the main one. I'm still trucking. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I had heels on. So and so I was like, mom, and I was like, surely she'll see me. I'm her daughter. She can hear me even if like we're in different states. Is that like, you know, you kind of think there's an intuition thing that your child is running after your vehicle. <laughs> nope. And so I luckily had a really great friend who was always late to church as well with her family. So I called them up. They were still at home. So they picked me up and I got to church and I said, I went up to my mom and I just went, forget something. <laughs> Didn't I? It's like, forget something. She's like, huh? And I was like, you left me. You guys left me. And that feeling of being left, feeling of being abandoned, and it's like, it's dramatic. Like, it's not actually abandonment, but sometimes we get that with God. Where we're like, hey, 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 I've been doing these things for you. I've been serving you. I've been like getting ready. I've been communicating with you. And all of a sudden, like, you left. And I'm like, forget something. I can't hear you like I used to. I don't feel you like I used to. And we're wondering if God just abandoned us, that he called us to something. We took a risk, we bought the house. We took a risk, we started that job. We took a risk on that relationship. We took a risk and we started that ministry and it's going, going, going and all of a sudden you hit a wall and you wonder if God has abandoned you in the very thing that you thought he called you to. The tension of still choosing to believe that he will not abandon you no matter what. And so in those moments, what we do and what we need to do is go back to the last thing he told us. The last thing that you can hold on to. So think about Mary and Joseph and all of them. And they're like, when's the Messiah coming? He's still not coming. Like this has been 400 years. Like I would feel like God abandoned me. And so they go back to the Old Testament and they recite the prophecies and they recite the word of God as hope to get them forward until they see the promise in front of them. And that's what we need to be doing. And and I think sometimes we've been left. We've been abandoned by people in our lives. It's a real thing. People have left you maybe as a child. God will not leave you as your parent did. Maybe you feel abandoned in a marriage. God will not abandon you the way that they did. Truthfully, as a single person, I really rely on a lot of friends in my life and community And in this last season, about a year and a half, I've experienced, I think, six of my really close friends getting married or family. That's like a lot. 
have you seen the babies around this place? <laughs> okay, a lot of first-time moms not only here, but a lot of my friends are now first-time moms. A lot of people have been moving away, even further away. A lot of people have gotten new jobs, so their seasons have changed, and all of a sudden, I've like woke up a couple weeks ago being like, oh, everyone abandoned me. Like, I'm excited for them, but also, you know, like, forget something, you know, like you're just kind of waving in the rearview mirror, like, and, and what I realize is that I have to not be so dependent on those relationships to where if they're not there that I feel so alone and not know what to do. Now, people are good, they're gifts in our lives, but again, when we put all of that in someone else, we can become in a place of despair and God wants to give us hope and he says, I did not abandon you like you feel feel even like they did. He does not abandon us. In COVID, it has been going on and on and on. And sometimes you're like, God, did you just like forget about us down here? We have been praying for healing. Actually, when's the last time we actually prayed for God to just like take this thing and like totally heal the whole earth? We were doing that at the beginning. I got convicted of that this morning. So I just wanted to convict you all. So <laughs> welcome. When's it gonna end? And like, you know, you're heading into a new year. We're like a week and something away from a new year. And somebody said this, they said that they're afraid to go into 2022 because it sounds like 2020 comma T-O-O, 2022. And I'm like, oh gosh. Again, I didn't wanna see that. So I thought I'd share with you. So you have to see it as well. So <laughs> we're gonna pray for God's presence to be felt on the earth. Emmanuel coming down at this time of the year before we enter into this new season to remember that we're never alone and we are not abandoned. You might not be feeling either of these ways, but there might be someone in your life who is feeling left by God, left out by God. They've been praying for something for so long and he's not coming through on the very thing they're praying for and they feel like he's not hearing them. You guys, we need to speak life to say, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. God will not leave you. He will not abandon you. This is his promise. Speak truth over our lives. Speak truth over our families. Speak truth over our communities and remind ourselves that Emmanuel is God with us. Jesus came down to earth in the form of a baby. Emmanuel, he grew up and he felt abandoned. And, and I always think of like Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you what? forsaken me. Jesus knows what it feels like. Jesus is with you in the pain. He had to be separated from the father because he had sin on him. He took the weight of the sin and the, and the, and the filth and the shame and everything that comes through that. And God who is holy can't be in that presence. So he actually had to be separated so that we could have a relationship so that we could always be in the presence. That's who Jesus is, Emmanuel, God with us. Not just as a baby, but in our pain, in our feeling of abandonment, in our struggles, when we feel like no one understands, when we feel like it's silent, God is with us, Jesus, Emmanuel. Good news entered the world. But it didn't stop there. He was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. 
And words out of Matthew, if the band could come up as we close and we're gonna partake in communion together. I love the words out of Matthew because we started in Matthew 1 and we're going to finish in Matthew 28, which is the last chapter of Matthew. And these are Jesus' words after he's already risen from the dead and he's with his disciples. It says this, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Have you ever been in love? God has. Jesus has, and he's in love with every single one of us. Says, for God so loved the world. I mean, this is like this, this verse that so many people who aren't even believers know or have heard this, for God so loved the world that he sent Emmanuel, God with us, to redeem the world, to save the world. God so loved it that he sent his son to be with us to be in the presence, Emmanuel, you are loved. You are not alone, God is with you and God has not abandoned you. And what's beautiful is that now when Jesus ascended, he actually says that we get the gift of the Father and the gift of the Father, which is the deposit, which is is actually the Holy Spirit. So 10 days after the ascension was what we call Pentecost. So we're just going from Christmas to Easter to Pentecost today. And so we're at Pentecost, okay? And you know what's so cool is that Mary is in the room at Pentecost. Woo! Like she stayed faithful. God knew to pick Mary. She stayed faithful. She was there at the birth. She was at the cross. She was there at the tomb. She was there at the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell and and she got to experience Pentecost and then she was sent out. The mother of our Lord still serving. How beautiful. But guess what? We get the Holy Spirit with us today. God with us. He didn't leave us. He didn't forsake us. He has given us a deposit until he comes back for us. And he is. That's what Advent means, the coming. And this is the second coming. He's coming back for us. So are we ready? Church, we need to wake up. We need to realize that even in this, I feel like there's a spiritual dullness kind of happening around here because we don't know how to plan. We don't know how to dream. We don't know how to do these things in a world where things are changing and and we can't really even book a vacation because we don't know what's gonna happen. Church, we still need to believe that there is something coming for us. We need to believe that his presence is with us and tell others of the promise of his presence. And so let's stand together as we remember what he has done for us. And if you do not have your communion cups, um, there's actually some back there on that table. You can go and exit. I'm sure to talk for a second until you get back. We know me. (laughs) Thanks for the laugh. Paul says that whenever we, um, before we take communion, to always 
examine our hearts, examine ourselves so that we don't drink judgment onto ourselves. And so before we enter into this, I'm actually gonna leave some space to be honest, you guys, this last week, I was, if you saw me this week, <laughs> you'd know exactly why I'm preaching on it today. <laughs> I felt like, what am I doing? Where are you, Lord? I thought you asked me to do this. What is happening? And it brought me back to that verse in Deuteronomy and I was able to stand firm again on it. And he actually delivered me from it the next day. I was like, yes, I gotta go tell everyone how speaking truth over our lives actually heals us from those moments. His word is true, he is faithful, but we also need to bring, say, Lord, I took it back. I, I, I repent of my pride. I repent of speaking this word to this person or about this person. I repent of what has happened or, or not being, or overindulging in one thing or just totally neglecting something or someone else, Lord. Jesus took all of that so that we don't have to hold on to it. So I'm gonna give us space to examine our hearts to repent or say, Lord, and be honest, God, I feel alone. I need your presence. I feel like I've been abandoned by my, my person, my friend, my company, my job, whatever it might be that God just, I'm just gonna confess that and my heart hurts right now, but I want you to come in and bring healing. May we examine our hearts and I'm gonna give us just a moment to present it to him before we partake. we just come before you right now and we, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you bring up things in our hearts that need to be brought into your presence, Lord God. I pray that Emmanuel, God with us is so significant in this time and in this season, Lord God. And I pray over the things that have been confessed that people lay it down and they don't pick it back up, Lord God. I thank you for repentance because that is what brings deliverance and that is what brings wholeness so that we can be back in the presence with you. Lord, I thank you. I pray against shame. I pray against um, uh, gossip and slander in this place, Lord God. I pray against um, pride or believing that somehow we know better than you do, Lord. We lay it down and God, you are God. You are on your throne and you know uh, the days that are numbered for each one of us. So Lord, may we remember that our life is but a vapor, that you never leave us alone, that you love us so much, that you always wanna be in our presence and that we are always welcome in your presence, Lord. And so we praise you. I praise you for this, the elements that we're taking in right now. I pray an anointing and a covering and a healing balm over it. And we lift these things up to you in Jesus's name. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was up in the upper room and he was breaking bread for his disciples. Um, and as you open up and take the bread, this is his body that was broken for you. Take and eat. And we also remember the blood that was poured out for us on the cross. It brings healing and it brings hope. And Jesus says to drink this in remembrance of him. Take and drink.
Well, God is good. And one of my favorite things about that passage, whenever they're actually leading, they're leaving the um, upper room after the Last Supper, is that it says, and then they sang a hymn and left. That's like one of my favorite little, we jump over that all the time. And so I love singing on the way out. So I don't think this is a hymn, but let's sing together on our way out this morning.